episode number 115 Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Here we are again, another episode, another week. Another question. Another (laughs) another couple couple of questions. questions. Some more explorations and stuff like that. So what have you you been up to since the last episode? I am working hard. I've ordered the proofs of my next book. Working hard on the final little edit bits and i should get that in the post today so i'll send a picture out if i do i'll send All you a right, picture nice one so when's that thing expected to hit the the shelves hopefully the digital shelves? yeah digital shelves like early next week at the latest okay in time so, for the christmas stocking yeah yeah so this is as long as, long as the proofs have printed up okay all i have to do is hit the button yeah, so all right, cool. yeah is there any sort of pre-sign up or anything for folks? Or? No. No? No. So just gotta I haven't wait. bothered with that. They yeah. Just gotta, they <laughs> got to wait. They just have days. to wait. I suppose they could sign up for your newsletter there and yep. then you'll let them know that way. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Well, so if you, if you want um, sort of philosophical fiction-y in the vein of Alchemist and I love Zen Celestine, the Art of Magic. Actually, prophecy. you know, the other thing that, that this is kind of a random thing, but the teacher I had in high school that I studied Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance with. I was in this um, thing called the IB program that you had a, a class in junior year of high school on the theory of knowledge. Right. And we, the second half of the year, we spent the entire half of the year reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Yeah, that's a good and it was, oh, it was just like, it was the moment when sort of my eyes opened to like, Oh my gosh, people are asking and thinking about the questions that I'm thinking about. And I had no idea, you know, everyone has sort of that, like, you know, there's moments where you're like, recognize something in yourself outside of yourself. And uh, I just got this post in on Facebook that that my teacher's retiring and he's doing a whole, his kids are sort of doing a whole big thing. So Mm. I'm going to send something, but it's like, you know, you sort of like, you think back to these people and like, there's a couple teachers that are just so influential and yeah. I'm excited to kind of send stuff to him. Cause you, you know, you sort of look at your life. And What's you don't his even, name? Um, Mr. Fresco. Mr. Fresco. I know. Yeah. Mr. Fresco. Not he was awesome. Like that. Mr. Parsons is a guy that probably stands out the most for me. And Mr. Shields, probably to my history teacher and my English teacher, the two influences on me. I yeah. mean, English just, Open me up to um, the po- poetry, like romantic poetry, Pop Byron right. and Shelley and all those guys. Um, T.S. Eliot is when I first came across and really cool. got into him was through that. Because he just kind of, he had a way of bringing all of it so alive and what it yeah. actually means and how the literature relates to your life as well. I think that was it. Totally. Um, and Mr. Shields, was, who was my history teacher, was the same. It just kind of made history more than like facts and figures. It was yeah. the stories and the, you know, the influences. In fact, I ended up majoring in history because I enjoy history. And it was such a tough decision for me. I was torn between majoring in history and majoring in English because I love both those subjects. And the only History won out because of my job at the time as a you know infantry officer. Right. Okay. History is really big in that world because you know understanding what's gone before. Yeah. And terrain and geography and all that kind of stuff, uh, and the people um, that you might end up on foreign soil with is good. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's that's why history won out for me over over English. But right. It, sometimes I think if I had to do it again. 
I think I would have gone the English yeah. route. Maybe. You know, it's, it's, it's these moments when I, you know, I'm so glad that I have this opportunity to get back in touch with him and, and tell him what an influence he's been on my life because, you know, and it's like these moments when I really feel sad that our culture doesn't have that thing. Like, you know, like so much of my studies, Indian history and Indian culture and stuff. And, um, you know, they have such a sort of reverence to their teachers. You know, it's like that, you know, you fold your hands to your teachers and mm. you sort of, you know, it's like there's this expression, which is actual for more spiritual teachers, but to touch someone's feet. You know, and I just feel like it's sad that we don't have that kind of way of expressing the true gratitude that you feel to these people when you're when you see yourself later on and what an influence, a positive influence they've had that you really, you know, I feel like I just want to have some kind of way of just really like folding my hands to him and being like, you have, you have given me. As opposed to the rule, though. Yeah, maybe. I think they, they are. I mean, that's one of the arguments for education because they have so many students that they don't necessarily have the time to have that kind of connection with students. In some, I mean, some schools are, I mean, all the schools are different, at least in the States anyway, because yeah. some got big classes, smaller classes. But, you know, I mean, you talk to the people who are, yeah. who are, you know, people from your high school they probably named the same teachers that were their influence were too like maybe yeah. not maybe but, not all they, the but same equally but equally you'll have teachers that you hated and they equally loved equally that you avoided yeah. equally that had a negative oh, impact on you so oh yeah. yeah so i mean you get all kinds don't you and yeah. it's, it's amazing to me that um you know that and maybe they do and maybe they don't care i don't know but how much influences teachers have on the direction that a kid may travel or go both yeah. in their education the things they choose to pursue mm -hmm. um and it's the small it can be the smallest of things i mean even if you think you know a lot of people hate history but mostly they would have had history teachers that made them remember facts and figures and stuff as, as opposed to come in and there's a different it was story hour storytelling hour in my history class and so you yeah. love stories and i could spend you know, all day just sit and listen to and my history professor at university was the same. One of Captain Bolger was another one of these. He just he'd be foaming at the mouth with his storytelling. I mean, that's how in he got with his storytelling. But anyway, yeah. um, we well, could go on and on about education. Well, and, so and, if I can kind of can I lead you into your digital culture realm? Yeah, well, because actually they actually link quite well. The reason I've been looking at digital culture because I've been looking at learning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all been about, you know, because, you know, the role I've been doing, you know, for the last 18, 20 years or whatever has been um, training, training and development or learning and development, depending on what school or thought you come from. And and this is a connection to thinking about next year in 2019 and also just the evolution of the field of learning and development. So I've been looking at, um, well, the online learning and the digital learning in that space. And I think I mentioned to you before that I do spend a lot of time following and connected with a lot of the educators in the States. There's a load of them that are doing lots of neat stuff in the realm of how do they bring their classrooms alive in the 21st century and this whole idea of the connected learning and that mm -hmm. you can no longer just be, you know, the pushing knowledge out by helping kids to go out and find knowledge. And in fact, I was, I just shared a, an article with someone today before coming here 
where there was two classrooms and two different sides of the, the states that were doing a virtual class together. And so you had students from what, you know, vast geography between them, but they were working together in this connected space. Do you think thinking about what we've let on from with the influence of our teachers, do you think that a teacher can be influential in that same way in the digital space? Well, it's exactly the same, isn't it? So the teachers that I think that are getting it are the teachers who don't try to fight the internet, but make the internet a part of learning. So they help the students to shape their own thought and then encourage them to go out and find resources. So they they become more shapers and guides than, you know, and then they agree. You know, they have some broad parameters that the kids got to kind of work between. But in terms right. of where that kid's individual attention wants to go, um, they have more flexibility in that way. And then things like OneNote, Microsoft's OneNote, they've got a classroom version of it. So, I mean, this is worlds ahead of where we would have come through. I mean, they have a literal, like you see my little notebook I was writing on, they have, so the, the teacher can go in so they got a section of that where the kid does their journal and their notes and stuff like that so you can kind of get to see what's going on in the kid's head but then the teacher can write the assignment in there and there and so it's just a whole it's wow, a it's a right. live thing it's not just a notebook that you're going to fill up and yeah. throw in a, a, a trunk or whatever um so that's been fascinating to me how the world of learning because you know this whole podcast to me is about learning as you just said you know you picked yep. up your book about time yeah, yeah. so you know this this and so for me it's been about you know, where's the field of learning gone and how, one, do I evolve into that space from my professional aspect, but then I'm just a lifelong learner anyway. Um, so, yeah, so that's what kind of led me to that. So the book that I've been um, most reading this week is called um, NetSmarts, and it's by a guy named Howard uh, Rheingold. And you would have thought, you know, that he would be, you know, younger generation but the man's like 71 years old all right <laughs> but he's been a digital culture guy f from the time that we've had computers so he's been in computers for a long time um, and he's just kind of evolved with it so he's a he's a freelance writer stroke you know does some adjunct professor type stuff but you know he writes books and thinks on di digital culture so um this book called the net is the one I've been reading. So it's called The Net, How to Thrive Online. And on the surface of it, you would think, well, it's easy. You just go online and get on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and you're just there. Um, and one of the things that you and I were talking about is that, you know, do we actually want to, in fact, the thing that, and I think I did a mini episode on our Expresso one, because one of the early challenges in this book is pay attention to what you pay attention to. Right. And this made me, because he, you know, was talking about algorithms and how the sort of Facebooks of the world shape your thinking and keep you closed thinking. And I know this has been, in, you know, the whole sort of fake news and the, and the whole yeah. influence that's happened in the uh, U.S. realm, how the, fake, the algorithms work to feed you more of what you like. And so they have all this data on you and they say, well, Kylo likes these kind of posts and we guarantee they'll interact with them. So they feed you those. But what it doesn't let you do is burst outside of that bubble. 
So, and he uses a good example in here, and you've seen this is quite topical where people are very much against, you know, there's a camp of people against immigration. Well, what they're going to be seeing in their Twitter feed and their Facebook feed is a lot of negative stuff on immigration. But then because they come to that topic with some presuppositions, it just feeds that. So if they come to it with, you know, a hate, then they'll see more of these, which then just compounds. So what you're saying about the pay attention to what you pay attention to is like notice if you click like, you're also not only telling the person that's posted that, that you like their post, but you are asking to see more of that. You're telling the algorithm you want to see more of that. Yeah. See, that's, that's what's like happened to me a little bit with Instagram because, you know, you'll sort of scroll through and quite innocently go, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. And suddenly my feed is sort of taken up by a lot of people that I don't actually know and they've put some quotes up and stuff that I've thought, yeah, that's a nice quote, but I don't actually want my feed to be full of that. So that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that and yeah, so if you, because these algorithms, Facebook's, Amazon, all of them, they tend to know you better than you know yourself. And I just did this exercise as well. I thought, well, when he laid that challenge down, I wanted to see what Facebook thinks that I want to see and what does Twitter think that I want to see. So to give me insight into me right. by seeing what shows up on my feeds. Because um, one of the things he says to combat that is to one of the skills of the 21st century that you need to have is mental flexibility uh, and to constantly reinvent yourself and do things that are contrary to what you were two weeks ago throws the algorithms off. <laughs> So this thing is, you know, constantly have the mental flexibility uh, um, and constantly reinvent yourself. If you want to keep your online and your digital spaces, digital culture, broader versus narrower. Okay. Um, So I found that quite um, interesting. And he's got these, um, I mean, the highlights of it. Let me just kind of go to the, the sort of what the book's kind of based off of. So one of those um, is about your attention. So that's like the, the the first big block. You know, what are you paying attention to? Then what do you get fed up to? Where, what rabbit holes do you find yourself um, going down because you've got fed this thing by an algorithm um, and then you find that you yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, suddenly yeah. you sucked into this this space um where was that so just getting back to the table of contents i can tell you the highlights and the other one is uh your crap detection so again we were just talking about sort of fake news and how because there's so and this is the other thing is like there's so much information there's information overload on the internet isn't it? i mean there's yeah. so much information coming at you from lots of places um, from news, from other people, from all this stuff is coming out at you. And before we had gatekeepers, so, and I know the news people hate this because the gatekeeping has gone down, but you had media um, editors that were gatekeepers. And so we had these gatekeepers, and I'm glad the gatekeepers are gone, <laughs> but now without these gatekeepers to make sense of things for you, you have to develop that skill yourself to have your sort of crap detector. So how and critical, so critical thinking is another 21st century skill that people need to be equipped with. So how do I evaluate this piece of something that I'm reading? 
to mm-hmm. see whether it's worthy of attention, whether it's worthy to be assimilated um, into me as a being um, on that end. Um, another one, a third one was participation power. And this is interesting um, for me. Again, like we do a lot of stuff online and we got the podcast yeah. and we blog and we do things like that. Um, and the, this participation and attention thing, I think, goes hand in hand with me. So, and I've asked myself this question. There's another thing he talks about is constantly doing your sort of self-inquiry. So why are you on the net and what are you participating in? Um, is it to watch cat videos to be user cliche type thing? Or do you want to connect up with communities of people and have social influence um, or this whole hacktivism, as they say. So do you want to have influence? Do you want to participate in the greater conversation of the things that are shaping our world? Or is it just a pure escapism for you? So he talks about, you know, wh- why are you on these things, doing what it is that, that, you're, that you're doing? And you can, kind of, you can really skip over that part because there's that, that immediately sort of addictive quality to all these sites, isn't it? Like, and they're you know. Exactly. They're built like that. So specifically to be exactly. So addictive. you have like sort of Instagram and Facebook and all of these like sites that you can go on. And then it's why we feel sometimes like we get in the habit of spending all this time on Facebook. And then you're like, it was just felt like a waste because we hadn't acknowledged. I want to just be entertained right now. I'm going to take 10 minutes to be entertained. You know, you sort of just skip over that whole question don't you of why am i going on the internet and then if it's if you want to learn something or you want to expand you know get get inspired by something maybe facebook isn't the place to go (laughs) you know (laughs) or or have or have purpose because you can go and find things on facebook but it is also has built-in distractors yeah designed to keep you on there so you might have gone there for a specific reason but But you quite quickly forget why you've gone on (laughs) in the first place you open your phone and you forget i know and they got you and you know exactly i went on to because again it's it's a blessing and a curse isn't it so we have access to all this information and you know we've got this sort of digital brain isn't it so any question that I have right now I can go on my phone and get a crowdsource answer to um, and tap into so many resources to help me answer that question equally as soon as you open that phone there's things dinging at you there's the what I call a little you know you see the little number of messages that you have so there's all these things built into the networks that get you in and then you're on you know, yeah. Google to search for something and then you see yeah. the little red thing over your yeah. Twitter feed. It's why, I mean, like, this, oh. is, this is like a bit, you know, silly, but I bet like loads of people will be in the same position as me is I have this space in the evening and I, I kept saying, I want to read more, you know, books. I want to read more novels. I'm going to read more nonfiction, whatever. But every time I opened my phone, I wouldn't go to my Kindle app. I'd go to Facebook or Instagram and I'd spend that 20, 30 minutes, whatever, scrolling through. And finally I was like, no, just focus. You know, you got to open your phone with focus, don't you? Like, don't get distracted. Get Hit the Kindle, Kindle app. And then, then I'm in my book <laughs> and then I'm good. And I feel so much better about that time. But I got a spare Kindle. You can. No, I don't want it. <laughs> That'd be better than using your app. 
Because it's no, in, I mean, it is connected to the internet, but I it's mean, not I the ha- same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, what else? Yeah. Is there anything else? Um, then there's this sort of uh, social digital know-how. So the art and science of collective intelligence. So again, this is about, um, if we t- turn this back into learning, so how do I connect into this digital brain and all this information that helps me to learn the things that I need to learn. And I was looking at a statistic on about YouTube and most people, I mean, you would naturally think that YouTube people go to for entertainment, but actually seven out of 10 people that go to YouTube, they go there to learn something, whether it's to fix something, do something, um, get a view on something. So, you know, it's one of the largest learning platforms or LMSs, if you will, in the world, um, because the majority of the people go there to learn something. Um, big or small uh, which by the way I can put a plug in for this against this article 13 I think it is and you've probably been seeing this on your YouTube where the European Union is getting ready to make um, getting ready to get ready to try and pass a, a more stringent copyright law uh, which will suck for creators independent creators like you and I um, and anybody that wants to post anything on a YouTube or a Facebook or any of those kind of things. And essentially what they're saying is that they're going to start holding these platforms liable for any copyright infringements. So basically what YouTube is saying is if you want to put a video up, you would have to guarantee them that every single thing in that video you own the copyright to. You can even get as crazy as, you know, logos. You remember with Google Hangouts, you you weren't really supposed to do your videos with visible logos on your shirts and stuff. They could pull them because again, you know, maybe Nike doesn't want to be associated with (laughs) with the conversation that you're having. But YouTube's basically saying if that passes, then it's just not financially viable for them to take on that risk and liability. So essentially it would end up just cutting Europe off. So Europe won't have access to YouTube, which would kind of suck, which is why I'm kind of, I'm getting political here, but I'm, I'll be okay with the Brexit things. So we can get the heck out of that. It's because, you know, right now if that happens, yeah. then we don't have access to YouTube either, uh, which would be such a shame. Anyway, have a look at it. You can go on Google and find it. If you spend any time on YouTube, I'm sorry, um, you'll find loads of stuff. Their CEO has been, because I guess wow. it's getting ready to, yeah. they're getting ready to vote on it. Um, so it could have huge repercussions at any rate. And so, yeah, so the social digital know-how and knowing how to use these different platforms for what you're wanting to go and use them for. So like I was mentioning to you early, and I've turned some other people onto like with Twitter, right, for instance, um, it's quite, you know, one of the feedbacks I get a lot from people will be, wow, Twitter is just too much noise, I don't understand it. Um, and they go, and a lot of people now you see in the media as well, it's like, oh, it's just so much hate and vitriol and blah on Twitter. But that only comes down to who you follow. <laughs> so you right. won't see that stuff if you don't follow people that post that kind of stuff. Um, and if you go for the mass option and you're following 4,000 people, well, yes, you're going to get a bunch of stuff. But if you were more mindful about how you're using your social media, perhaps you are into education and learning or you find people who, and you know, spend some time looking to see with their posts and you say, okay, well, yeah, okay, I like this stuff that, so that's the kind of, so you're more 
mindful and discerning about who you follow. Yeah. So instead of paying attention only to numbers, which is sort of what we've been taught a lot to do, mm. it's like, just grow, just grow, just grow. It's like, no, actually be more discerning. Well, that goes, exactly. That goes back to our, that addiction bit and the want to be liked and you got more likes. And so you want to see the number bigger and all of that sort of stuff. So you get sidetracked and distracted by the number and forget why you want to be on a platform to begin with mm -hmm. um so yeah so you know you can take twitter and you can make your list and you can make it more you can make it work for you as opposed yeah. to just be distracted by it so you know i've been heading to some neat conversations with writers from ink and other places this week yeah i um, mean you know, they've written an article and before i would have just retweeted the article, maybe a little bit of a comment on it, but now, you know, I'm speaking directly to the writer of that news article or whatever, and, you know, I've had responses back and gotten engaged in conversations with them about it, um, or, and blog posts the same, so you know, if I'm going to take the time to digest a, blo a blog post, then why not have an interaction with the creator of that and get a dialogue to go deeper yeah. from what they've just written. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's about that more mindfulness of the aspect. Um, and I'll go and just one more and it'll be the, this, well, two things. So one is this mindfulness, which I just kind of touched on. So being smarter about how you're using, um, yeah, your networks. And that goes to any of them, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all of it. Um, so we had attention, we had crap detection. These are the five literacies, participation, um, collaboration, which is the other one. I talked about this sort of digital classroom and yeah. working with other humans to solve human problems. You know, I know we did a podcast with wanting to, you know, engage in conversation with people. Well, I really liked the, learning. I mean, you know, obviously you're in this space more than I do, but the idea of social learning, the idea that we learn more in conversation with other people mm. i mean that's our podcast and that's that's so true you know it's not just the old the old style of thinking about learning is you've got the teacher and you've got the student and there's a one-way transfer of information whereas i suppose the digital space makes social learning even more possible because you've got a, a potential for dialogue with all kinds of people who are interested in the same learning the same stuff and thinking about the same stuff as you yeah, and it's kind of, it's one of these things that's interesting. It's something I was having this conversation with someone earlier this week as well. Like a lot of these concepts, they're coming back into the frame, but they're actually all concepts, you know, social learning, collaborative learning, is it? Oh, yeah. that's how we yeah, ever yeah. learned anything that we ever done is through, you know, the, you know, the teacher might be the person that was outputting stuff but then it's the groups that you hang out with and study group or hey yeah. how'd you do this math problem you know so right. yeah, you yeah, usually yeah. always turn to the person to your left and to right to to sort of source um and expand the kind of learning and the same thing that happens in the workplace you know people think oh we're going to go to training and we're going to go into a classroom well you know 70 percent of learning takes place right at the desk because i'll just turn to Sally, Sue, or John, and say, "Hey, what? Do, how do you do this? Yeah. Or you know, what? I got this problem. What are some? You know, so yep. 
you know, you're doing it right there. You don't have to come, you don't go out of a classroom to do and learn something that's like right there. And so, and as you're right, I mean, the internet um, and this, you know, this connected learning is a new phrase or collaborative learning. Um, you know, right now we wanted to know something. If we want to know about social learning, it's history. We can go on our phones right now and yeah. ask a question and boom, off we go. And we start learning from various different sources, you know, yeah. and freely available at that as well. Hence yeah. why you have to have your crap detector because all this stuff would <laughs> come at you. Um, and so, yeah, so we've got that. And then I think the last one is your network smarts. And I think for me, that's that whole... You know, know why you're on the platform, use the platform for what it's for. Know also that the platforms have an agenda. So Facebook has an agenda. Right. It's not your friend. <laughs> it, right. yeah. it wants you to stay on its platform. It wants to feed you stuff to make you buy stuff. In fact, I posted an article today um, and there's a company in Utah, which, you know, is outside of Silicon Valley and all that. Um, and they made eight billion dollars. This is a family. It's a, you know, two brothers, dad, mom, or whatever. And they've, they've just made sold their company for eight billion dollars. Um, and and when I found out what it was, you were thinking of some high speed tech thing, weren't you? But I guess it is high speed, <laughs> but it's just a customer survey app. But and my point was that's how much your personal data is worth. As in, companies want to know everything about you so they can sell you stuff yeah <laughs> yes so mm. you know so the platforms that you're on they are useful but they also have a dark side to them so it's that net smarts about understanding what that is so the yeah. whole sort of likes thing you know so I'll go on and I, you don't know you know the dopamine that's kicking in that makes you want to respond you know you hear the ding on your phone and it, you know it wants to you know so yep. you know it's designed to do that for you yep. um i was looking at a guy that was worked for twitter and he was like and you don't think these things are so subtle and next time you go on to twitter if you're on twitter there's a slight do you know how you get the little bubbles to tell you how many app mentions you have or whatever every okay, notification yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a slight delay before that little number comes up if you have it refreshed already, there's a slight delay when you go on, but that slight delay keeps you and then makes the anticipation bubbles and you go up, <laughs> which right. then starts the chemicals going. That makes you like, yeah, because well, like you you're anticipating, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Now you think about when you're anticipating something, mm -hmm. um, you know, you get those hormones flowing in you and then that gets released and then, yeah, then so. Even from that very first click of the app to see if anybody's app mentions you, it's already starting to work to keep you onto the platform to emotionally move you. So yeah, yeah, we've yeah. So yeah, just listen to the Havana Cafe podcast and nothing else will be your source. Are we supposed <laughs> to be encouraging everyone to be abroad? No, no, we're going to become the new gatekeeper. So just join you're, you're our You're completely Facebook group. flipping on me now. You're back and forth. I don't know if you're the real player or the Just go player. to our Facebook group and stay in there and then we'll feed you what you need to know. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So like good it. stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, good, yep. good. So you were, you had some stuff about time and Dave, Dave has some stuff about time as well. Dave yeah, he was basically Twitter. asking about time with us on Twitter. And uh, 
it's a question close to my heart. And actually, there's this um, book I've been meaning to read by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap. I don't know if you've come across it. But um, he has this chapter in it called Living in Einstein Time. Living in so, Einstein Time. I like it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I, I had been meaning to read that anyway. And then I was so glad Dave had had sort of started that so Dave, line of thinking. Dave, Dave Loves Folk. His, his uh, Twitter um, handle is at... Langris, L-A-N-G-G-R-I-S. So you can stop by and say hi to yeah, him. Yeah, we love Dave. So anyway, um, the whole thing about time is that we never have enough of it. You know, that the modern age is we're always rushing, we're always late, or we're always sort of chasing our tails. And I think that's really true. And trying to... Con trying to find ways out of that mentality and that experience of your life is so important. So I was really, yeah, I was glad to like sort of come back to this topic. We've talked about it before, but not in, not in this particular way. And um, so, cause his, his specific thing was about, you know, he doesn't have time to read, watch um, or practice some of the stuff that we kind of, no, wait, no, you're saying so. He was asking for a discussion on modern life issues, techniques that you have read or watched or indeed practice. Because yeah. um, he's finding that that um, his work is all consuming and it impacts on a lot of his being able to do, focus and enjoy the things that make him happy. Yeah. So this um, chapter by um, In the Big Leap, um, basically says, in order for your life to work harmoniously, you need to develop a harmonious relationship with time, which is like, yeah, you have to find a way of existing with time in a way that feels okay, because that relationship and that sort of attitude or, or mental position in relation to time can completely transform something. So basically what it's, we get into physics, which is also, I love physics, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like sort of like kind of have these mind blowing moments where you're like sitting there in the cafe and all of a sudden, you know, you're reading something about Einstein's theory of relativity and you're like, look around you like, whoa, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's awesome. But um, basically on a practical level, what he's saying is that we tend to think about time and we've been trained to think about time in Newtonian terms, which is sort of very outdated. So Newton and Galileo and all these people back in the day um, thought were the first to study time. Like, what is it? And they came up with this idea that time is a constant, that it's absolute, that it can be measured. And it was, um, I've written it down somewhere in my notes, uh -huh. Clay. It's, um, it's called one of the fundamental scale, uh, scalar quantities. In other words, along with length and math. Like in other words, it can be described by a real number and it exists in, in their mind. It sort of exists independently beyond a perceiver. And that's sort of how we think about time. We think about it as linear. We can measure it. We've got the clock. It's ticking down. That clock ticks the same for everybody. But let you me know? ask you this before you do that. What is time? Because one of my things I learned from science fiction is that time does not exist. Well, exactly. Get, let me get to it. Let me get, let me get <laughs> to it. Because we're not at Einstein yet. Yeah, That's yeah. Einstein. So basically, the, the, the Newton way of thinking about time 
which is the, you know, as they were studying what and asking that question, what is time? We sort of stuck with that mentality of time. Which is what? Which is that it's that it's linear and absolute and the same for everybody. And it can be described by an absolute number and that it exists independent of the universe. Like even if there was nothing there, time would still tick along. That was how they saw it, you know. So and basically what he also what Newton also believed, which is what we still think of this is still our mentality is that although there's this absolute time we mere mortals only are capable of perceiving it as relative apparent and common time so yes sometimes it seems like it speeds up or slows down for us but that's because we're human and we're a bit crap and you know well, we're not really paying attention again though, yeah, isn't it? so that exactly. sounds right yeah and some so, of the Zen stuff, the Wu Wei stuff we talked about, you well, can play with time exactly. based on what you're so, focusing on. So basically, all of these philosophical, like spiritual traditions, like Taoism and Buddhism and stuff, have a, a totally different, because their understanding of the now is exactly the same as what matches up with modern day physics which Einstein sort of begins the complete transformation of. So, because I love reading about this, because this is 1905, mm. theory of relativity. So it, we've had it for over 100 years, and yet we have not shifted our mentality about how we deal with time. So what Einstein says is that time is in a dynamic relationship with space. So it is not independent. And... It starts to get a bit complicated, but he, what he discovered is that it's the speed of light that is constant. And if the speed of light is constant, then space and time have to um, be variable and flexible to accommodate that. So they can bend and they can do all kinds of things. Yeah. So this is why then you have things like, what was that movie that... Um, oh gosh, it was a couple of years ago and it was with Matthew McConaughey and it was that he goes into space and he comes back and his daughter is older than him. And yeah, I don't remember that oh, one. Oh, you should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, okay. Someone out there well, listening have, will I remember. Anyway, it, yeah. so it's that that whole idea that we have been introduced to that if you put a clock into a into a rocket ship and you you blast it off into space and you start approaching the speed of light, like right now in our in the in the speed that we are in in space right now, you and I moving around, we can't discern hmm. a flexibility in time but if you move through space approaching the speed of light a clock inside that spaceship will appear to slow down so if you have a observer hmm. that can observe a spaceship traveling close to the speed of light the time clock inside that spaceship will look like it's moving at half of the speed and then you know a quarter of the speed and whatever and and people inside will look like they're moving in slow motion so it's like that so what this is all like theoretical but i feel like what it means is that we all know that when we're doing something really boring or really painful time feels like it slows down and when we're in the flow of work or creativity or we're with someone that we love time can feel like it speeds up and there's nothing 
more obvious about that than kids perception of time because it's like you know summer remember when summers used to seem endless mm. like summers were like so long and unless you were on restriction like i was one summer because <laughs> i got in trouble and yeah. I, could, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere so yeah it was a long and then, summer and then exactly it was yeah. a yeah so basically you feel like so what what this guy gay hendrix is saying is that hendrix is saying is that we need to stop this mentality that time is a limited resource, that there's a scarcity of time, that we don't so, have doesn't enough this work time. On a number of different levels here, doesn't it? I think there's a, a blend here because you kind of approached it from a scientific point of view, as in you know, Einstein and speed, and that's yeah. the change. Because the time itself, from my understanding and reading, actually doesn't exist because all time is a, is a measure of change. So, but the concept of time, time, is, 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 is nothing. <laughs> and yes. a, apart from a measure of change. And so, what, and as you, you know, kind of alluded well, to Well, it is here, in physics, it is a thing. Yeah, like it has to be. It is in relationship to, to something like, else. To something else. It doesn't else. exist by itself. It doesn't exist by itself. But what their comparison is is like it exists together. Like if you were to move northwest, as north and west exist together in that movement. Do you see what I mean? Like it. It is there. It's not just. It's a measurement. It's a thing. It's a, it's a, it a it's, a, it's a part, it's a part, it's, it's a part of a thing. So you could pick it up. Good Lord, we're not physicists. It. Well, I'm just saying, but can you touch this thing? No. Right. No, but you can't touch space either. Yeah. But you can move through space. Yeah. So it's, but, the, you but, can it, feel but, space. but space doesn't, can you? Yeah. Well, you can feel whether you're dropping through it and move. I guess yeah. you're feeling air then. But but you, you, you experience time. Yeah. And you experience space. But anyway, I think yeah. the, the thing for, okay. So the thing about Dave's question yeah, and yeah. my question and like, how do we move out of the mentality of, I never have enough time. I'm always chasing my tail. There's never enough hours in the day. Um, is to actually, I mean, this is his, this is his, this Gay Hendricks um, sort of advice, I guess. Yeah. And so I'm going to try it this week and we'll see how we get on. But is you've got to shift from thinking that time is something that exists outside yourself and is something happening to you and shift into a mentality in which you are the source of time. Because actually, if you, if you kind of shift in that way also of like, you know, the Buddhist or the Taoist sort of, you are only ever in the present moment. You're only in the now, man. That's yeah, only you're time only in exists. the now. But... If you are doing something that you don't want to do, then there's a resistance there. This is, this is his sort of the big yeah, yeah. thing. So he is explaining that when you're doing something you don't want to do, you're sort of experience a retraction into yourself because you're trying to pull away from that thing. Even though you, you have to do it, you're pulling away from it. So you're contracting the amount of sort of way that you're relating to space is what he's saying. This is not matching up with physics, by the way. Well, okay, no, I, so, I, I so like we have to we have to we have to no, no, we have no. to sort of go with the analogy rather than the actual no. thing. I think but what, if you stay away from the, I know it was great that you did the setup with the scientific bit, but if we bring it back to sort of where Dave is at, 
that's great, but I think right, it's this exactly. conversation but, so, is, so, but based, what's your relationship to time? Exactly, not, but I think the thing is, what he was saying is like, if you, but if you're doing something you love and you're in the flow, then your relationship to that thing is moving outward and expansive. So you're like out in it. You know, you're like giving yourself completely to it. And then your relationship with time is completely different. And I think that um, what he's recommending and is, is to shift your mentality. And one of the things he's saying to do at a really practical level is stop saying you don't have enough time. Stop all complaints about time. So that's one of the, the challenges I'm going to do for this week. And I hope, yeah. I hope people will do it with See, me so we can I'm, like, I'm we can crowdsource. My two things that I've always, as I said, I've taken away was that time does not exist in space and illusion. That's been with me since I was 14. Yeah. So I understand this, this time right. piece. And but then my second one, it's from The Matrix. Got to get that in. What's that? And the Merovingian says, how well, can you ever have, have time, time if you, you never make, make time? time? Yeah. And, you know, so, so when these people say that they don't have time, what they really are saying is my priorities. So this is right. another thought process around time. Um, is that your priorities are in a different sort of space. So reevaluate what your priorities are. Because in terms of the science bit, and the math, there's 24 hours. We all have if you, those. But if, but, but, yes, that's true. Hmm. And that's the sort of Newtonian, there's only a limited amount of time we have. I didn't say it's limited. A, I'm saying that finite. There's, a, there's a, no, not even finite, that there's a clock right. that we've all agreed to right. that turns around 24 yes. hours, measures time. Yes. So but the way, but the way, yeah. but the different way of thinking about that is something that you're doing can take you a half hour or can take you all day. Depends on like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, maybe yeah. an hour or maybe an hour and a half versus all day. But when we're trying to do something or when we're engaged in activity, that activity and how long it takes us to do that activity is actually a lot up to us, you know, and our perception of that time and whether we are enjoying ourselves and stuff, all of those things is completely different. So if you think about commuting, for instance, like once I started listening to podcasts, commuting became completely not a problem for me because mm. it was like, oh, I get so to listen to my podcast. About time and more about it, about your t focus and attention. Well, it's sort of like it, it, it's it's an. Because it's, you don't actually notice time when you focus on something else. So if I'm focused on the podcast. When you're in, yeah, when you're enjoying it. Well, we're not even enjoying it. When you just focus on some other thing. I think you when, don't have time to think about time because you're so focused. Yeah. Then you don't notice the time. I mean, I've been in situations that sucked. But the time goes by fast. But it wasn't enjoyable. But it sucked. But I didn't have time to think about time. Because I had to be present. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the addictions to the military. One of the things that I miss is that you have to be in certain situations focused on where you are. Right. Because you don't have, if you start thinking about time, then you're not paying attention to where you are. Yeah. And then you die, people die. So. Yeah. 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 And you kind of have to be focused. And so the same thing, I used to get the same feeling from rock climbing. If you want to not feel time take up rock climbing because right. you, your mind has to be focused on the rock not time or anything else right because 
Your I attention think it's has like, to be where you are. That's right. But yeah. I think that there's, there's a, what our problem is actually with time, I think, is not an actual problem. It's an, a problem of our experience of time. Hmm. That's right. That, so, exactly. exactly. So, so what I guess this is advocating is you don't actually have too little time. You have like agreed to and become habituated to a bad relationship with time. You know, that, that makes you that makes you feel anxious and stressed and whatever. But so, there's some stuff that you've said in the past is it's not is that end. It's the external things that you've. So, for instance, if you don't feel like you need to do anything as in you're not trying to achieve stuff. So time doesn't mean anything to you. I don't have anywhere to be. Don't have anything to do. I'm not trying to accomplish things. So it doesn't mean much versus. If I'm trying to write a book, but I've got to go pick up the kids, I got to go to yeah, work, I got to go do exactly. these things. But there's different times in my life where all of those things remain the same. But my experience of all those things is I have no time. I feel like I'm rushed off my feet and it's fine. You know, so actually, when you start thinking about it in that sense, you realize it's 90% about your attitude. It's your mindset, 100%. And you can go and you can go into the, if we go back to our episode a couple of weeks about the sort of Taoist, like, you know, try, but not too hard. Like try not to grip the steering wheel. Like you're going to tear it off, mm. you know, just hold it lightly enough that you can drive, but like, you know, don't stress. So, so his, his tips are sort of like, first you have to acknowledge that you are the source of time, that your perception changes almost everything about time and then and and to stop and and part of that means that you have to stop complaining that you don't have enough time because that continually reinforces this idea of victimhood rather than empowered i am in charge of time and then he's saying you have to ask yourself a question and he phrases this a couple different ways but in essence it is where in my life am i not taking full ownership so it's like when we feel like we don't have enough time, it's often because we're not actually really being conscious about what we're doing with our time and our attitude towards our time. So we have to be at work at a certain time, but there's a lot of time in the day in which we are doing things that we maybe don't totally need to be doing or taking more time with things because we're in resistance zone and it's taking 10 times longer than it should or you know all these kind of issues come up so i think that is also a really good question to look at like whenever you feel stress and tension about something you need to look at like what aspect of that are you not taking ownership of that's what that's what he's saying. Yeah, no, no, I get it, and I think some again it comes to who's got demands on your time you know, as well, isn't it? So if you say if you, if you got to go to work, you could look at it from another place and say, well, leave your job and don't go to work, so you don't have that space. But if you are participating in there, then so for instance, if people that got up and went to work today, they will. So we're like yesterday. I was in the office from pretty much 8.30 until 5.30. Now that's a chunk of time yeah. to which I have to devote to that space. I yeah. couldn't just go and go to the gym or right. decide to take a trip. 
So when I come out of that at 5.30, if I want to stay with the rhythm and sleep and all of that, I essentially have from 5.30 till I run out of steam at 11. And if I didn't have, if I don't have a lot of things I'm trying to accomplish, then I'm not, there's, there's no stress to squeeze as some people would but say. But don't you find that the times when you feel most stressed that you don't have enough time, you approach it in that like exactly what the Taoists are talking about when you're fighting I the usually flow. say to people that it, say and to myself, this is my get out clause, mm -hmm. is you, all you can do is what you can do in a day. So that alleviates the stress for me on that. Because sometimes you have deadlines. Yeah. And you can stress yourself out. I don't have time because the clock is ticking and this thing's due. Until, yeah. Like I had something to do at 5.30, but it was taking more time to complete the thing that I needed to do. So in that instance, I didn't have time because the task I was trying to do was taking longer than I needed it to. And I needed to be done by 5.30. But I suppose the mental shift he's talking yeah. about, if I'm understanding him, is as soon as you have that thought, oh, crap, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. It's an energy suck. And tons of your energy that you could be continuing to devote to doing the best that you can until 5.30 becomes worrying yeah. about that's, that's the fact that you that don't class, have enough is, time. All you can do is what you can so do. So it's really day. just like, I think yeah. it's more of a actually just... It's, it's not that some of these things aren't totally true, but it's the power of mentally shifting your attitude towards time. I think that's saying, the most important thing is that right there is it. It's a mindset, isn't it? It's a yeah. mindset what you're, on how you're approaching what you said earlier, which is the experience of the time. So you could spend all of your energy focus on the fact that I don't have time, or you could just say, all right, well, I'll do the task and uh, I ran out of time. Well, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's another day. Yeah. yeah. Or you could stress, you know, some people might stress themselves out and because, you know, yeah, they physically yeah. can't get done what they needed to do in the amount of time allotted for it. But, but then, then they feel bad because of other pressures as in so, you know, yeah. some, you know, they might feel, so there's a lot of different forces competing at you, isn't it? So you might yeah. feel bad that I wasn't able to meet this obligation. I don't want to not have that obligation, but physically I can't. I don't have enough time to do this thing physically because it's a three hour job and I only have 40 minutes left. Yeah. But I don't want to let that person down. So that becomes a, so you have to make other decisions then you can say, yeah. well, yeah. hey, I don't, all I can do is what I can do in a day and I'll give you a hundred percent in the next 40 minutes. But the truth is, it's not going to get done regardless of how much you shout or scream or jump up and down or threaten to fire me. It ain't getting done because it's a three-hour job and I've got 40 minutes. But again, that's But then, you know, I kind of wonder too, how much is it that somebody, I mean, I'm not saying that people don't have someone in their life going, if you don't make this deadline, you know, I'm going to fire you. Yeah. But I think we are our strictest police about that kind of thing. I think no, most absolutely. of the time, yeah. it's us that's putting the pressure on i've got to get this done i've got to get this done would, in this way would, in this specific way in corporate world would dispute you on that one because I, your time tables aren't you're not unless you work for yourself or you're the yeah ceo or whatever and you're pushing the stuff down someone else has a schedule that you're working to yeah and you but can make you, your schedule within that time but right. you're still it's being 
driven by another. But I suppose level. the mentality yeah. of I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time is sucking out half the energy that you need to actually just do the thing. Yeah, so if you focus, and yeah, I get you. If you put your energy on focusing on, like we call those people whinging, well, start whinging. None of us have the time, so just do it, yes. So some people will do. They'll get themselves, they will become incapacitated with the thought or, of... Or just inefficient. Inefficient, incapacitated. They just will spend more time moaning about not having time. I mean, time. I know, I know <laughs> so that when my head gets, gets really busy yeah. because I've got all these to-do lists, I'm way less efficient with my time. So it's almost like the more stuff you have to do, the less efficient you are Yeah, up to a point, I guess. But, you know, I just, I and don't know. You know I what? think we could throw in another aspect of this. I'm just now thinking about the personality stuff as well because mm -hmm. you've got your judges and perceivers because what you just said to me in that statement there like i never actually think about time in that way or planning and to do lists which has its own challenges right and um, so if you're if so if you if you have a judging preference they tend to like to have a to-do list and a defined path to an end way right if you have a perceiving preference then everything is just wild and then you'll have a massive fury at the end to right. get done what you needed to do but up until that last possible second you'll be doing all sorts of every other things in other places and ways and you're not driven by i i, I feel like i'm pace. interested enough in this guy's mm. thoughts to do the experiment anyway mm. and to kind of think okay well yeah i'm not sure that this is right. And yes, I've got all these deadlines and yes, everyone's only got 24 hours in a day and yes, yes, yes. But what would happen if I pretended that wasn't true? Hmm. What would I have? What would happen if I pretended that I was the source of time? But you my, are the source of time. You well, don't even exactly. have to pretend. Well, but you know, sometimes <laughs> you have to like fake it till you make it kind of thing you with your mind. Pretend. You just you have to sort of, of time. But you, you are your own person. You can decide what you want to do. So then you, if you're, if you, you move into this, this, Eddie Murphy says, I ain't doing yeah. it. You know, just don't do it. Well, <laughs> but there's consequences. So this week, no complaining about that. You don't have enough time. And if you feel stressed about time, figure you have to look at that to think, what am I not taking responsibility for here? Because I mean, in this sense, like one of his examples is when you meet somebody and you say, oh, I, don't, I really want to talk, but I don't have time. Mm. Or, or, some, or your kid comes in and says, I want to, can you play with me? And you're like, I don't have time. But if your kid came in bleeding, you'd have time, you know. See, that comes back and, to that priority thing. Well, for exactly. Me. So it, it's, it, this is, I suppose, the point of asking yourself the question, what am I not acknowledging or taking sort of ownership of? And it's like, instead of saying, I don't have time, saying, you're not I'm important. choosing. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm not. Choo I'm choosing to do something else right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I'm choosing to do this. Like Our priority is. This I would other love thing. to stay in chat, but right now I need. I'm choosing to do something else. I mean, my old um, yoga teacher, who I love, his big thing in in yoga class was, and I think it's from his mom. You know, all, all great things come from yeah, the mother, yeah, don't absolutely. they? Anyway, he was sort of saying just changing your language from I have to, to I choose to, I'm choosing to completely can transform what you're doing. And, and also 
how much focus you're able to give to an activity. If you're just like, I've got to get this done. I, I, I want to do well at my job. My job, doing well at my job re requires that I do this. Therefore, I am choosing to do this rather than I have to do this. Uh, it's a completely different energetic relationship to that thing then, isn't yeah. it? Well, so I, and I think you're just 100% is the whole idea about taking responsibility, like own your time or be the source of your own and time. Be, and be kind of quite honest with yourself. I think sometimes we have to get a little bit brutally honest with ourselves about where time goes. Because, you know, well, there's a lot I, of people uh, watching tons of TV. Yeah, and what he's saying yeah, yeah. also that, is that... That's why I have a problem with when people say they don't have time to do stuff. I think, well, actually, you have time. You know, yeah. don't tell me you, you worked, you know, like every... 18 hours every, a day. Like straight, as in you didn't eat, you didn't sleep, you didn't look at any TV, you haven't yeah. done, you haven't done anything except that one thing, but yeah, you, you know, that's, that's my mental engine. You can make time if you want yeah. to have the time, you can make the time. But and you know, I think there's, you. there's also that thing, isn't there? When you're throwing up and you can't go into work, literally, mm. the world doesn't fall apart. So keeping yeah, that, the keeping, <laughs> the keeping that mentality that like it is, you know, sometimes I'm sick and I, I can't come in, literally physically cannot come in and nothing disastrous actually happens on those days. And it's like, that's an eight to 10 hour day, right? Yeah, but I think what most so, people are thinking of is while I'm not there, it doesn't make the world stop, which means if I was to complain about not having time, so if I miss eight hours, the stuff I was supposed to do in that eight hours is still there. So then when I come back, I've got to do 16 hours worth of stuff in the eight hours, which I that, think is But that's what, a perception thing, isn't it? I think that's what, you know, that's what people's minds would be yeah. as I'm away. Yeah. Then the stuff that I'm responsible but how, but, for but, getting done. Exactly. Getting but who done. says that that stuff is actually going to take you 16 hours or eight hours? Like stuff can take as long as it takes. Sometimes a work, a piece of work is like, you know, when you're in the flow, it takes an hour. And when you're knocking your head up against well, the wall, was, it takes five. Say, GE was famous for this, is that... And this is, this is, I mean, there's a whole lot of different ways that we can go because GE was famous for this, as in if you get a target and you make that target, well, obviously you must have time to get that target down. So let's take, now we want it in, so you used to give it to me in five days, I want it in three. So they and then try and force you to be more creative to figure out how I can do in three days what I used to do in five. Trouble is you get creative and you've done it in three days. <laughs> then the next year, they want you to do it in yeah. two and a half. So it, it yeah. gets to a point where it then, you know, and then, yeah, you just burn but people the out, I think, out but. And that's true. But the reality is, mm -hmm. whatever this perception is and whatever these pressures are, we actually are only human. And we are only capable, like you're saying, of doing what we can do. That doesn't change. So the only thing we can really change is our attitude towards things yeah. and our, our perception of it. Because right now there's this whole idea, and this was just a, and our guy's not going to stop this little buzzer thing in there, is he? There's, um, there's a, well, there's a number of, of articles floating out, and you would have seen this before, because there's this hashtag of, you know, never not working, or the right. hustler's mentality. Um, like if you look at some of Gary Vee's stuff and they'll, you know, mm -hmm. some people are like complaining about time. He's like, well, what are you doing? So yeah, you might be working from nine to five, but what are you doing from, you know, from five, five to, 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 you know, two in the morning. So, mm -hmm. and so, you know, for them, it's like, well, work 24 seven basically, but don't say you don't have time type things. And I was, uh, I'll find it. If I find it, I'll 
we could link it in the newsletter because um, it was just another the round th- of stuff around this hostile mentality being detri- yeah. detrimental. Um, and I think we talked, or we may have mentioned it in the last podcast, the one before that, um, where you get the pill that was meant to be for shift workers, but it, it replicates having had X amount of hours of sleep. Oh. But you can only get it by prescription. But then people were wanting to give us this whole 24-hour society mentality. Oh, my God. Um, and then the one guy, I remember, this, just the scientist, he was like, well, if, you know, if you, you know, if... 20, you know, you need to reevaluate your lifestyle, basically, <laughs> if yeah. you need to stay up for 24 hours to do your thing. But it's a badge. Yeah. You know, this article I was reading about entrepreneurship, that seems to be the badge of courage for entrepreneurs is that yeah. I'm working but then there's 20 a, but, hour days. Exactly. But then there's that whole other thing of the four hour work week. So there are people out there going. Ah, but this I morning. Know. So yeah. one was that very thing you were just saying with the four hour work week. They said the people that are doing the four hour work week have done the 20 hour week stuff already. So they're now in a position. Right. To do for it. To do the four hour right, right, right. week. And it was a podcast I was listening to actually. <laughs> she was like, Cause they were just talking about that. Cause it's, it's like yeah. I said, it's just been quite topical at the moment. The whole sort of hustle bit. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah those people that are doing the four hour have yep. done the work. That if, it takes in fact, to I think be. I read this article coming in. Um, that's quite timely I have to find it because it's a work 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 but basically it's it's it was exactly what you're saying in that aspect of you missed a bit where the person's put in all that work 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 even this was about artists you missed yeah so now but they've done all that and now they're in a position where they can do the four hours or they can relax or the one other thing I was looking at last night with this whole you know the, the laptop lifestyle and you see these you know, entrepreneurs who are hanging out in all these cool places, but you again, you miss the time they've put in to get to that, yeah, that sort of space. We didn't even get to touch on our boy here, did we? But that's fine because I think we talked about him be, uh, before. How to be idle? Oh um, uh, yeah, Hopkins. Yeah, Tom Hopkins. Because he talked about Hod- time. Hodgkinson's. Yeah, and yeah. the watch and that yeah, whole yeah. thing and. So there's another relationship thing where you're, you know, you're driven. Before Einstein, the, though. Yeah, you know, you got the we, watch. We need to, we need to get, um, kind of we're, we're, di- we're analog creatures. We need to get yeah. digital about time and yeah, be well, into Einstein relativity time. And society as well, though. If you think about the, just the rhythm of, like, this place is only open from a time to a time. So it's that whole sort of rhythm of time. Yeah. Um, if you're in business, you're entrepreneurial for yourself. It's like, you know, where are people at? So the access to people is driven by time. I think, so there's, um, in the book, there's this example that one of the people he was working with gave back to him after they started implementing this like new mentality of I am, I am the source of time. So this guy is like running to catch the train and he's going to be late to his meeting. And he's like, got his, you know, balancing his coffee and his, you know, muffin and his, you know, laptop and whatever. And he gets on the train and he's shoved in amongst people and he's like super stressed because he's like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make this meeting. I'm going to be late. And then he had just gone to this whole like thing about time. He's like, okay, I'm the source of time. He sort of had this mental chat with himself. Like, I am the source of time. I am the source of time. He just tried to calm down and just be where he was. 
And I think, and then he ended up, you know, of course at the end of the store, he makes it to the meeting and everybody else is late. Yeah. But it's like, there, that, that, that's where it's at. That's where you're winning, I think. If you can just get to a point where you're like, I'm just doing as much as I can do. But I'm your not value going system to might not allow you to do that because as you were saying that story, so like in the mil, you know, the military, and he, you know, being not on time is equivalent to death. So but the point, but, but the point is, once you're once you're at that train, you're not moving any faster by being stressed about it. Well, that's true about anything in life, right? Even so, dying, so, you don't need so, to be stressed about it. But there, but but our. our psychology is so you know i'm stressed because i not because of time but because i know that i'm letting people so my value is that i always want to be on time yeah so you, you're not reevaluating time you actually have to reevaluate your values because the tension you feel because another person who's going to be late and you have these always and you, they don't care i don't right. care i'm going to no, be late. so he ha he has this too so yeah. he has the time police and the time slackers mm. And it's like, you're usually one or the other. You're usually like you, it's really important to you to be on time or, and he was like, I'm a time police um, yeah. first to put my hand up. And it's really hard to deal with time slackers who just don't even care have a completely different. And so I don't think that he's saying like, don't worry about not being on time to the things that you need to be on time to. Like, it's really important no, and, for and, me and that's to not be. What I'm saying is either. I don't think what I'm saying is that the thing that you're fighting, it isn't time at that point. The thing that's probably got you agitated is because being on time is very important to you. So you no longer have an argument about. But time. you're trying, but you're trying to force that time to hurry. Like you're, you know, yes, you're be feeling because rushed. Of your other value, your yeah. value of, I don't want to, I yeah. hate not being on time. So yeah. it's so maybe the thing you need to interrogate is why do you hate not being on time? And how can you make that okay? Because if you can make that okay, see I it can make your relationship to that. I can never be in. late for my kids at school. Yeah. Like, you know, being late to pick up your kid is like the worst thing and they're like the last one and they're like, well, Where's my mom? That. My and, parents were always late. Well, exactly, and you remember <laughs> it, don't you? I remember exactly. Exactly. But it, but it made me independent. Well, so okay. there was some good stuff to that. Yeah. Because then I've, I used to, because when they would be late, then I was just like, oh, well, I'll take fate in my own hand. And I would just walk to where I wanted to go. And then they would show up and panic because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And then <laughs> they would get home and I would be there. And I go, ah, hey, you didn't show up. So, I mean, at some point in time, I just like, all right, well, I'm in control of my own self. So I just would. Yeah make my own way home. I, I guess I, 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 <laughs> and I think didn't like that, that but too bad because they should have been on time well they should have and you know what I think we can all sort of have this we are the source of our own time and be on time to things mm. I think that's both that the both those things can be true yeah I think it's just yeah so I think it's the it's the relationship and maybe this is with the sort of you know where all this kind of converges is and um, think about what's important to you in that that sort of space so what's what's yeah. what's what are the forces that i guess that's the question what's the forces that are operating on you in that space and time when you're saying to yourself i don't have time what are all the forces it isn't yeah. just time um but what are the forces that are working on you yep um, okay. and then what you can only do what you can do in a day yeah exactly <laughs> end of the story yeah, but that's easier said than done, I know. Okay, so your challenge is gonna, you're not gonna 
do what? What's your challenge? You challenge well, I'm just going to kind of sit with this mentality. Like I am the source of my own time and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You are the source of your own time. I'm the source of time. <laughs> Very good. I used to say to people, I'm father time and time waits for no man. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things I had to adjust from coming from the military to civilian life, as I said, the military always had to be on time. She was always early. And I carry that out into the civilian world. And I notice that lots of civilians don't like to be on time and they show up five, 10 minutes late. Then I'd be sat there thinking, where the hell is everybody? <laughs> so, so, so now I've become a, a time optimist and I'll get there when I get there, dang it. All right. Yeah, but no, but if You're it's You're rarely important, late though. No, I, when, I'm, when it's business stuff, I'm always on time when it's It bothered you that you stuff. were late last week to yeah. meet me. Yeah. And I didn't care. Well, I know you didn't, but I care because yeah. I care about you. Thanks. If I didn't care about you, then I wouldn't have cared that I wasn't on time. Yeah. It wouldn't have made no difference to me. <laughs> it would have been like, ah, too bad. She can wait. All right, let's get out of here. What's All my right. challenge this week? What's your, do you want a time challenge or a digital challenge? No, I, I don't, I don't have. You're don't cool have with time. Problem. Yeah, I don't have a problem with time. Um, your digital yeah, nomad challenge. I think for me, challenge. I'm going to continue in the space I'm, I'm at, which is. If, you know, in this space of taking control of things and back to the things I was introducing with the net smarts, it's continuing yeah. that journey um, and continuing to take control of my networks yeah. and what I use them for, and what I do with them and yep. and that sort of thing. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Good stuff. So let us know on those evil social media channels, what, uh, what you're doing this week in terms of the podcast and well, the I don't know, seeking just to be more mindful and which means you should spend more time in the cafe discussion group, having conversations with cool True. people like and us. not get distracted by all these other things that are coming in your news yeah. feed. So That's choose right. to be, <laughs> Yeah, choose to be with us. With us, exactly. Choose to be with us as opposed to somewhere else doing some other thing other than conversing with us. All right, we're good. All right, we'll see you next week. So where you got to be to now, (laughs) time-wise? I'm the source of my own time. Are you? All right, well, I'm not going to let you leave and then let's see. (laughs) You're (laughs) not the source of my time either. (laughs) Well, no, but I'm going to hold you hostage here and tell that you're going to be late to your next appointment just okay. to test you okay that'll be your true test where's the next time you got to beat him i'll hold <laughs> you here to five minutes before that time okay. so you can go into that space okay thanks right. for that cool all okay. right bye